to the Mass Fans for Life podcast. I am your host, Landon Thomas, and I am joined by Shana Basmakani and Kendra Dunson. We have a special episode today. It is not about what the Mavs are doing wrong on the court or what they're doing right. It is about Dirk Nowitzki. He is getting his statue on Christmas Day before the Lakers game. It's a big moment in his life, big moment in his just overall impact to the game. Um, but this episode is a special thank you to Dirk as we go over some of our favorite Dirk moments. Dirk versus Tim Duncan rivalry. And um, Dirk, where does he rank amongst the power forwards of all time? And we will end this episode with where does Dirk rank? as far as professional athletes in the Dallas area. So, wow. Okay, Dirk Nowitzki, he is, we already know what he's done. He's an NBA champion, finals MVP, regular season MVP, or I guess we should say Michael Jordan MVP. (laughs) Uh, 14-time NBA All-Star, four-time All-NBA first team, five-time All-NBA second team, three-time All-NBA third team, 50-40-90 club, three-point champ. A lot of people forget that three-point contest that he won in probably one of the highlights in his career. Not the 75th anniversary team, which is a big highlight of his career, but I'm talking about the teammate of the year, something that he really values um, that he won in um, 2017. He also got his banner um, up in the AAC, number 41, retired. So many accolades in it. But when you sit down and just think about some of the moments that stand out to each one of y'all, um, Kendra, I'll start with you first. What What are some of your favorite Dirk moments? I mean, this goes back to when I was a little girl, you know, um, some of my early memories was watching the Mavericks um, with Dirk, Steve Nash, Finley, you know, all together. And I mean, the the pace, the way that they were scoring, look, they looked unstoppable and I was just captivated by it. And so my, some of my early uh, memories of Dirk is just, the way that he um, coincided with with Nash and, you know, that planted a seed for me um, as far as like becoming a Mavericks um, fan for life. And so um, in in that, obviously, you know, I was able to track it and just devote my time to watching the Mavericks simply because Dirk was on the team and no matter the people that was around him, you know, however the the roster was constructed, um, I knew that the team had a chance because Dirk was on the team. Just like now, Luca, you know, the team has a chance because Luca is on the team. That's the same way I felt with Dirk. Um, and, you know, that actually materialized in 2011. Um some of my other favorite uh, memories is obviously the 2011 run, um, 
game seven versus the Spurs um, in the Western Conference Finals. I believe that was in 2006. Check me on that one. Um, him passing Wilt Chamberlain to become the sixth all-time um, scoring leader. Um, him dunking in his last game, <laughs> um, his last home game, you know, it's like, whoa, okay, you can still do it. You know, not enough lift on the dunk, but he still got it. Um, you know, so boy was in that ice tub for like <laughs> three weeks. <laughs> right, right. Or even just him getting the love, you know, around the the, the NBA because – for so long, I felt like the Dirk adoration was just Dallas-based. But to see it across the NBA, to see it across the association, you know, for Doc to stop the game and, and to, you know, show Dirk some love, I really appreciated that. The Knicks, you know, he played at the Garden, you know, they recognized the moment and they were, they were cheering him to get the shot. You know, they booed every time. Uh, you know, another player had the ball because they wanted Dirk to shoot. And um, they cheered when he made it. They, um, you know, they sighed when he didn't. And I just appreciated seeing the, the, the adoration from, you know, across the league, from fans to coaches to players, um, give Dirk his flowers. I like those moments that you mentioned, Kendra. Shauna Vaz, what what are some of your moments um, just looking back at Dirk's career? Yeah, I mean, Kendra, you know, Kendra touched on a lot of them uh, that I have, but three stand out, you know, in particular in my mind. Um, you know, definitely the All-Star game dunk for the alley-oop, I think it was, uh, you know, in his last All-Star game, you know, as an honorary member. Um, you know, it was just, it, you know, you look back at a guy like Dirk, and, and you know, Dallas is, is yes, financially speaking and, and population wise speaking a, a big market, but, you know, for a guy that that spent his entire career with one team and only won one title, just the humility that he has, the humbleness that he had and the respect that he garnered from everybody else at the NBA really showed in that last season, right? Whether it's the all-star game, um, whether it was his, um, you know, his final game in Dallas, whether it was like Kendra said, the tribute that Greg Popovich and the Spurs did, for all those years of the Mavs and the Spurs battling, just the respect that R.C. Buford and, and Greg Popovich and that entire organization has for, for Dirk Nowitzki really speaks volumes for the type, not only the type of player he was, but the type of man he was and, and, and the things that he did for the NBA. Um, you know, obviously, I think the 30,000 points, right? It was so fitting that it was a fadeaway on that on that baseline where he's, you know, he perfected that shot and where he has really been emulated by so many other players. I mean, you see Kevin Durant now pulling out that one-legged fadeaway in games. And, you know, he's attributed that to Dirk, right, to studying Dirk and, and going back and, um, you know, really trying to folk, you know, really trying to, in the same way that Kobe kind of emulated everything Jordan did, you see all these big men, these six, seven, six through seven, one guys, trying to do the same thing that Dirk perfected because it gives him such an advantage. Um, the fact that he's changed the game for, for big men, um, you know, guys like Carl Anthony Towns who are now, you know, hoisting up seven threes a game and, uh, you know, guys like KD who are, who are, you know, using that one-legged fadeaway. I mean, it goes back to, uh, goes back to what he's done. And, and so that, uh, you know, him hitting that 30,000 point against the Lakers on that baseline where his, you know, his little silhouette is, is stuck on, uh, you know, on the Mavericks court, uh, you know, for the rest of the time. I mean, it was just so, so perfectly fitting, um, that that's, you know, that that's what the situation was, you know, th there's so many others that come to mind, obviously, 
Uh, like Kendra said, the game seven against 2006 when the Mavs had never beaten the Spurs in a playoff series. Uh, the conference finals where he put a 48 against Oklahoma City to, you know, to really kind of when everybody thought that Oklahoma City was going to trounce Dallas, you know, Dirk took it upon himself. For me, the biggest one, the biggest memory I'll ever have of Dirk was game two of the 2011 finals with that 22 to five run hitting that that layup over over Chris Bosh to, to get the Mavericks tied 1-1 and, and really kind of reset the tone for uh, you know, for the Mavericks going into into what was a grueling series, but but ultimately, you know, the the best case scenario for the Mavericks in winning the championship. Dang, those those were good moments too. I mean, y'all are basically taking me back. <laughs> um, every time y'all mention the moment, I just think about some of the the times or where I was watching those moments. Um, it's it's beautiful to just reflect on that career that he has had um, in his lifetime with, with just one team. And, and that's, that's probably my, the one thing that I will remember most. And y'all have mentioned moments and I will remember those as well, but just playing with one team, we, we rarely see that in the league today. Um, and we, it's, I mean, you see with, you know, Dane Dalla, I mean, you see with, some um some of these other players Bradley Bill I mean but it just meant something when you go through time and time and time again so close you think you have the squad and then playoffs come something happens or you're just you know a few moments away of of ultimately reaching your goal and you still stay with the team you still you still grind with the team and 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 you represent that franchise. And that's something that I will remember with Dirk because there's something different about Dirk's loyalty than others um, in the NBA. And that's just being blunt um, because he took pay cuts. Like a lot of these players that are staying with that one team, they, they maxed out um, um, on financial value for the team. And it's something that's rare when Dirk is taking pay cut after pay cut um, even, you know, he took pay cut and then they ended up with Chandler Parsons. I mean, it's not like they're bringing, you know, um, an all-star or bringing an MVP to your team. Like he's taking pay cut to do whatever it takes to make the team better. Um, obviously winning the, the, the championship, but not just winning it, but seeing him run to the locker room to have that moment by himself. That's that sticks out more to me than actually holding up the trophy because, you know, all that those times with Holger or in the gym by himself or with the team, um, all the shots he took and, you know, you finally get what you, you, you dreamed of, um, his signature move. I mean, that's something that I'll remember because, um, Sean of Oz, I think you said, it. I mean, we watch it every day. <laughs> we watch it, not just NBA players. We watch it all the way down to, your local YMCA game, I mean, or your local AAU game, they're training um, players. If you're going to make it in this league or make it to college to get an education or, you know, just become a good high school player, like they're training, they're putting the one-legged fadeaway in your repertoire. And, and that's something that will always um, be, you know, tailored back to Dirk Nowitzki. And, and I asked him, that was the first question that I asked him because, um, that's some it's on my pen tweet 
um, that it will always be on my pin tweet because that's something that it is, you know, something that he will be remembered for every time you listen to a broadcast and you see it, the one leg of fade away. Most of the time they say Dirk right after that. And as humble as Dirk is, he still didn't take credit for it. And and that's the type of person he was. Um, the Kobe shot, dapping him up after making it in the corner, that will stick with me. Um, as competitive as Kobe is, he's like, damn, okay, I see you. <laughs> that's you. That, you. You're Dirk. And that's that's something that's cool. Um, and obviously what happened with Kobe, I mean, it, it makes that moment even more special. Um, and then his final home game, um, and just overall his, his final season, both of y'all mentioned it. I mean, I don't have to go into it, but just the love that he received, um, in that final season and he, sh- and he shared it. Um, we, he shared it with Dwayne Wade and we all have our feelings about Dwayne Wade, but like, it was just different. Like he, um, the Mavericks games in his final season were different than the Heat games in their final season. Like you were, I mean, Kendra, I think you mentioned it. I mean, they they were chanting for for Dirk, um, you know, at opposing arenas. I remember Madison Square Garden. I mean, they were chanting for Dirk, and that's something that's crazy and a special moment. Um, what Doc did, what Pop did, what a lot of the coaches did, and just that love that you saw from opposing teams. Um, even if their teams were down, they were cheering for Dirk. Um, and then on the opposing side, you see Wade like swapping uniforms, selling t-shirts and, and just doing some different stuff, but just the, the, the genuine feels, um, the genuine vibes and the genuine love that, that Dirk received. Um, right down to the final home game, like y'all mentioned before, um, even the final game in San Antonio, but just the home game. When you have Charles Barkley, Scottie Pippen, Larry Bird, um, Sean Kemp, and, and Detlef Shrimp um, attend your final home game, that that's never been done. I mean, that's having some of those legends and some of those great players um, attend your final home game to pay homage to you, some of the guys that you looked up to. Um, come back to you just say thank you for what you've done for the game uh, as you, you watch them play when you're um, trying to make a name for yourself that's that's some of the things that just stick out to me and I don't know if I told y'all this um I mentioned it on the pod um a long time ago and um back, back when no one even read my reports <laughs> but uh just the reason I became a Mavericks um fan growing up um, is because of Mark Cuban and Dirk. Um, I was never a Mavericks fan growing up. Um, to be honest, I, I was a player fan. I was a um, LeBron in his in <laughs> the first time in Cleveland um, fan. Um, after he left, I really didn't care. Uh, and then I was a Dwight Howard. I was a big Dwight Howard um, Orlando Magic fan. I thought he was always underrated and I just love seeing some of the stuff he did um, with the athleticism and, and defense. Uh, he's still underrated. Uh, but um, when I was in high school, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tall, six, five, <laughs> I'm six, five Lando, but uh, I'm tall and um, I wear size 15 shoes. So it's, 
always hard finding shoes and um like still to this day i go to the outlet um because sometimes it's hard to find them on online sometimes um shout out to uh, luca ones y'all need to get some size 15s (laughs) uh but (laughs) i mean dang the brother can't get no luca ones i mean come on now i'm gonna have to to, yeah Put in a, a request to Jordan Brand and see what's going on. Over exactly. Special request. Special, Special request to Jordan Brand. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all need some size 15s. Dang. Um, but I, I, st- I wore size 15 in high school and playing basketball. Um, and it was hard. Um, it was hard for my mom to find shoes because now it's easier. But, you know. Back when I went to high school, <laughs> um, graduated in 07. So playing, I think this was my like soft, sophomore year early. Um, it's hard. It was hard to find shoes. And um, my mom just went on a whim and said, let me just, let me just email Mark Cuban. Um, let me see what happens. Um, and she emailed him saying, hey, it's, it's hard finding size 15 shoes for my son um, is there anything that you can help us out with or um, is there any um, um, hookup that you have for um, companies that wear a size 15 um, companies that sell size 15s? Because, you know, NBA players, they always wear big shoes or whatever. Um, and literally just a few days, a handful of days later, um, you know, uh, on our doorstep, were um a pair of Dirk shoes. Like his um his shoes that he wore in practice. Um and wow. And they were size 15 and a half. He wore size that's 15 amazing. and a half. And I wear size 15 shoes. That's a pretty cool story. That's awesome. And that's how I became a Mavs fan growing up. And ever wow. since then uh, I watched almost every single Mavs game and obviously it became a business and um and I met um amazing people like y'all too and and so many people like ian and obviously it's it's grown into something special but that's just how it started out and i've always been a fan of the mavs um mark cuban and dirt Nowitzki. i know mark gets a, a bad rep um with some of the front office moves and and some of the the decisions he made basketball wise but um I always um, feel gratitude towards him. And I keep it real. I mean, it, if the Mavs do something bad, I still say it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm honest, but I always show gratitude towards him because something like that, he didn't have to do Like he personally made sure that, um, um, that the team sent me shoes um, a handful of days later and I still have them. And then like 10 years later or whatever, um, Mark Cuban and Dirk Nowitzki signed those shoes. That's and, awesome. And, and that was That's a special really cool. moment for me. I must say, this story is getting better and better. <laughs> and actually, he's here right here. So let me... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Mark Cuban. Yeah. No, but that, those those are the those are the biggest moments on um on when I think back on Dirk. Um. So. Uh. So let's talk about Dirk and Tim Duncan. I know y'all mentioned pop, um, so this kind of plays into it. Uh, but the Dirt Nowitzki and Tim Duncan rivalry, I, I think 
this is the most underrated rivalry. And I probably posted it probably maybe eight times in my in my tweet history. But we need a 30 for 30 on this rivalry. I know you have Larry versus Magic, uh, Michael Jordan versus Isaiah Thomas, and, and you know, Kareem versus um, Wilt. I mean, um, you can go back to all the rivalries in the NBA history, and you probably will have Tim Duncan versus Dirk Nowitzki very low on the list because they're just humble guys that just play basketball. Um, but when you look at the stats, and I'll read this to y'all, and I'll get y'all's thoughts on this, because um, y'all already mentioned the, you know, kind of Dirk um, versus the Spurs and what he was finally able to do. And, but um, Dirk Nowitzki versus Tim Duncan in uh, the stats that they have. So Nowitzki, he had 22 season wins. Um, against Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan had 35 season wins against um, Dirk. So Dirk's averages in those season wins, 20.4 points per game, um, eight and a half rebounds, and 2.4 assists. Tim Duncan um, stats were 20.2 points per game. Um, 11.2 rebounds per game and 2.9 assists. And then when you get to playoffs, see, this is the thing that I love about these stats. This is playoffs. Um, Dirk Nowitzki had 15 playoff wins against um, the Spurs and Tim Duncan. And Tim Duncan had 18. So they were very close in the playoffs where it really counted. Um, Dirk Nowitzki, his stats, 23.4 points per game, 9.6 rebounds, and uh, 2.2 assists per game. And then Tim Duncan was 24.1 points per game, 11.5 rebounds, and 3 assists per game. Um, That's a lot of games between two players, and I just think it needs some sort of um, documentary. Uh, but Shana Vaz, I'll, um, I'll start with you. What's your thoughts on the rivalry itself between Dirk and Tim Duncan or Mavs and Spurs back in, in, in those two players days? Yeah, I think, like you said, I, I, it's one of the most underrated rivalries, I think, of all time. I mean, and I think more so, like you said, not necessarily the Dirk and, and Tim Duncan matchup because I think of their humility and, and they both were arguably two of the most respected players in the NBA during their time. I mean, there's, there's, we, you know, we've talked a lot about Dirk and, and, you know, there's a lot of stories about Tim Duncan and his kind of method of trash talking and the way he would, you know, he wouldn't really respond to people and it would really just be phrases like, Oh, guess you missed that. And, you know, stuff like that. And he was kind of the quiet guy that you would never, you know, nobody ever thought like, man, this guy's got no, um, you know, no firepower to him, right. No, no anger. You never saw him kind of, you know, get really upset on the court, but, there's a reason he was a big fundamental man. I mean, Tim Duncan was was uh, an amazing player, and I think the Spurs teams that matched up with with the Mavericks, it was it always felt for the longest time that it was the Spurs that were standing in, in Dallas's way. Every playoff, 
you know, in the, in kind of that middle 2000s to 2010, it really felt like that was the hump that the Mavericks had to get over, um, you know, and, and getting over them and making the finals, you know, and, and finally winning in 2011 was fantastic. The rivalry itself was great. I mean, especially during a time where, you know, you're kind of in that middle area where, yeah, I mean, LeBron and Kobe weren't really rivals. I mean, there's no, you know, it wasn't, it was more so like Kobe and, and the Celtics, but towards the end of, you know, the 29s, 20, you know, or 2009, 2010, when they were all, you know, they were kind of competing for titles. There wasn't really that like big rivalry. There was no Steph LeBron. There was no, you know, Golden State Cleveland, right? There was none of that. So like, we, like we've seen in this past decade. So Spurs Mavs, I think, was one of the most underrated rivalries that you were going to see. I think post LA and Sacramento and kind of the early 2000s, that was the next big rivalry in, in the Western Conference that everybody kind of looked forward to to seeing. And I didn't even know their matchup, matchups were that close, to be honest, until you read those stats out. I mean, that's that's kind of mind-blowing because I felt like the Spurs always had Dallas's number. And, and to know that it was that close, um, you know, it, it really goes back to how great both of these players were. And especially the, um, the regular season, I know it was 22 to 35. Um, but remember – at the end of Dirk's career, the Spurs went on like a, went a crazy streak, yeah. yeah, against the against the Mavs. So it was even closer. Obviously, yeah. the playoffs, um, but it was even closer in the regular season um, before and that's the Mavs the Spurs, started. Just that's the Spurs it. with like Kawhi and with you know a, a aging Tim Duncan and things like yeah. that, right? So this is like you know, I, I mean, obviously you count them, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, it technically is a lot closer than 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 what the number state it was. For sure. And, and Kendra, what, what's your thoughts on um, just the rivalry holistically on the impact that it had at basketball or just per, um, you personally? I mean, to add to what you guys are already saying, like, you know, watching it as a fan and not just, you know, looking at it and, you know, breaking down the, you know, what I'm seeing, but just taking it all in. Um, those series always felt like the Mavs were the underdogs. Um, even in a regular season and especially in the playoffs, like my heart, not my heart, but just like my chest was so tight because I'm like, man, if the Mavericks can win this, that'd be great because I always thought the, you know, the Spurs was just that team to beat, you know, they don't talk, they just play hard and, you know, they clock out and, (laughs) and, and they're gone, you know, they just go about their business, you know, um, so the Mavericks always felt like an underdog whenever they play um, the the Spurs. And, you know, I had to uh, watch the highlights of some games uh, with them. And I was just blown away of like the intensity um, between the games. And if this is just, again, this is regular season. It's not even postseason yet. Um, the respect that, um, that Dirk and Duncan commanded from defenses because they both, you know, commanded that that amount um, of attention just due to their offensive ability or whatever. Um, but there's one game that sticks out in the playoffs, uh, the 2006 um, game seven, um, you know, the Mavericks are on the road. I mean, down the street, you know, San Antonio. Um Dirk scores what 40 points, I think. Um, I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know, he was guarded by Bowen, 
Um, they're, you know, at the time, one of the best defenders on the on the Spurs. I mean, they were throwing everyone at him, double teams, even Duncan, you know, um, guarding him a couple of times. And, and Dirk, you know, caught on the switch, was uh, guarding Duncan uh, a couple of times. Um, but, and they both gave each other, gave the other teams fits because, it, you know, they're both unguardable. At the end of the day, they were both unguardable. And um, as a as a fan, I was just uh, I was just appreciative of watching that, and I just felt like nationally it wasn't talked about enough. Like mm. big media did not give them its due, like that rivalry its due. Like it was fun, you know, Texas rivalry, and I remember hearing about it, but it was never up to the level of you know like what you guys were saying, like Michael Jordan, um, Isaiah Thomas, um, you know, bird magic, that, that kind of thing. Um, but they are, they are similar in a way as far as like how they go about things. And they're also similar. And as far as like this, they have this quiet competitive fire to them. Um, and so when they, when they on the court together, I mean, it's just fun to watch. And so, I'm not surprised at the numbers because, you know, Dirk is that guy. <laughs> they were hoopers, that, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, like you just got to give him, you know, just give him flowers. I mean, and, and I yeah. believe uh, Greg Popovich, he said that Dirk used to give him nightmares. So, mm. you know, like the respect was there from each team, even if the media – Big media didn't hype it up as much the way it um, deserved. At least the coaches and the and the players on the teams knew like who they were playing against. And I also yeah. think that's probably why the games were closer because they played each other all the time and they were very familiar with each other's game. No, you're you're absolutely right. Um, both of y'all are um, when it comes to this rivalry and. Um, there were there were there were times not only where the Spurs were in the Mavs way when they had a really dynamic team like the Mavs stopped some of those um, Spurs runs as well like the Spurs could have had a couple more titles um, if if the Mavs um, d- didn't beat them and that's one thing the Mavs fans always knew when Tim Duncan g- got the ball like that bank shot was always like literally like he he um he went to the bank on those shots and then on the flip side Spurs fans always knew wherever Dirk got the ball whenever he did um a one-legged fadeaway they knew it was going in no matter what so it was those are just some iconic players um at the at their position I know I know Tim Duncan played um what 40% 40% of his time um, at, at the center position, but he is a power forward when you look at it. And that is a perfect segue to our next topic. Um, Kendra, I'll go with you and I'll go with Sean of Oz before I give my list. Um, but where do you rank there? Those two that we just mentioned were so good. We might not even have a list, um, but where do you, rank um wait um Kendra did, I'll edit this Kendra did you go first last time is Sean Navaz right it, Sean yeah Navaz. I did yeah Kendra yeah Kendra's up next 
Wait, okay. So Kendrick goes first this time? Okay. Okay, so okay. So Kendrick, where do you rank Dirk Nowitzki amongst power forwards in the game um of all time? Um so first, I have Tim Duncan, you know, like he won what five championships? Um, yeah, you can't you can't beat that. Carmelone uh, uh, is number two, and um, hmm, okay, yeah, I have him. I have him number two. I know he didn't win anything, but um, no, speak your list. Speak your list. It's okay. You know, like he, He's a two-time MVP, you know, like he's up there. He he deserves his flowers. And I don't think, you know, rings is like the only thing that qualifies as like the best of. But Duncan, he, you know, he has the rings as well. But anyways, besides the point, so you have Duncan, you have Malone. I am going to just for Uh-oh. this. For this segment, I am going to put Dirk in number three. For this segment? For this segment? No, uh, just speak your list. Listen, and here's the thing, because I was I know, struggling. I know who she's know? got three. I know who she's got three. Who? Uh-huh. I'm who do you think? I'm who think, do you think? I, I, I think I know why she's saying this. You're okay, going to put Giannis third? No, no. KG. Whoa. Dude. KG? I was going to put Charles. I was going to put Charles. Because he's okay. yeah, like give him his flowers, man. I know he talks a lot right now, but as a player, you know, he was that dude, you know. Um I okay, and you can probably edit this out if you want, but I have Duncan, Malone, Dirk, Charles, and KG Giannis. That's kind of like my list right now. But Dirk is number three for me. Um, part of it is just because how he re- revolutionized that position. Um, Landon, you you talked about it, you know, how everyone now, you know, it's it's the Dirk now. That patent, one-legged fadeaway, um, you know, that's his signature thing. Even LeBron is is doing it now, you know. His look a little different than than Dirks, but he's, <laughs> he gets the job done. Um, but um, just to go back to the finals uh, run in 2011, like this is what blows my mind away. Dirk's age, he was 32 during that run. His first championship, he got it at 32. Steph Curry, he got his at 27. Him and LeBron. Um, let's see. Um Kobe got his at 21. Duncan got his at 23. Dwayne Wade got his at 24. LeBron got his at 27. Um, So the fact that Dirk was committed that long in his 30s, he got his first one to stay hungry, to stay focused, to stay devoted, to stay disciplined, you know, uh, to stick with his routine um, and to finally get it in 2011 against, you know, uh, obviously, against the big three, um, it, it shouldn't be overstated. Um, so for me, Dirk is number three. Shauna Voss, what you got? Oh boy, I I I respect your list. 
I actually have most Uh-oh. of the same. No, 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 no. I have most of the same. Oh, I'm about to say that's a setup for something. No, it's no, like, no, no, I no. like you, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with one. I think Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward of all time, and I've tried to fight myself on this and tell people that he's not and that he played center and technically he should be considered a center just because I don't want to put him at the number one spot because I'm a Mavs fan, but I got to give respect where respect is due. So I 100% will put Duncan as number one. I've got Dirk too. I, I think he's the second greatest power forward of all time. I think you look at, and, and I don't think it's just because he won a title and Malone didn't. I think it's because of the way that Dirk revolutionized the game and was something that this league had never seen before. Um, you know, there's a case that he's arguably the greatest international player of all time, right? When you take into account guys like Hakeem and you take into account guys like Delta Strength and, and all these guys, right? But that's a whole other conversation. But you talk about power forwards of all time. He was not your traditional back-to-the-basket, bank-shot power forward. He would take you off off you know, off the low block, put you behind the three-point line, make you guard him, and still knock down a shot over you. Um, so I've got Dirk three. Um I've got Kevin Garnett. Excuse me. I've got Dirk two. I've got Kevin Garnett three. Um, I think. What? I, I think KG was defensively a monster. I think defen- defensively Kevin Garnett was a monster. I think people forget how good he was when he took Minnesota to the conference finals. I think people forget how good he was before he left and went to Boston and teamed up with Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. Um, but Kevin Garnett was. I remember growing up and watching him, and I was like, I'm scared of this guy. Like I would be terrified playing against him. Um, I've got Carmelo in four and I, I just, I don't like Carmelo. I've never been a Carmelo fan. I've never liked his game. I have, I know I didn't watch him a lot growing up, but highlights I've seen games I've watched. I, I just, I didn't see anything special to be honest. Like for me, it was, it wasn't like, I just wasn't a fan. It, Dang, for me, anything, for me, anything special? You didn't see anything? For me, he didn't. He, it didn't. He didn't do it for me. He didn't do it for me. Did you hear how his tone changed Ooh. when he got to Carmelo? I, I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't like the brother. I'm. 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 Be honest. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. I don't like the brother, but the boy would, had game. I would knock him out of the out of the top five if I could. But again, I got to give respect exactly. respect is due. And then, and then I'll put Chuck. I'll put. I think Chuck, like you said, Kendra. I think Chuck is criminally underrated. I think people forget how good of a player he was as well. I will say Giannis is making his way up there and potentially will pass Chuck probably after this year, if not sooner, uh, you know, within the next few months. Because, I mean, Giannis, again, is a freak of nature. He's already a champion, a defensive player of the year. I mean, the guy is a revolutionary talent, and I think eventually he'll be in that top five, if not top three conversation. Uh, But that's my five. I got Duncan, Dirk, Garnett, Malone, and Barkley. Hmm. Okay. Um... I have Tim Duncan uh, first. I mean, he had no weakness. He he really didn't. And um, the longevity, um, there's not much to say about that. I mean, he 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 was just that good. And then the um, the number two. This okay. So the number two. I feel like there should be a drum roll. Yeah, do I do I side with Kendra or Sean Navaz? I'm going to. It's dirt. It's dirt. There you go. There you I, go. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not just saying this because you know I'm in. I'm in Dallas, and you know he gave you his shoes. I grew up a fan. I covered the Signed team. Signed your shoes. No, it. <laughs> 
It's uh, <laughs> you got you got um, a sweet pin on your profile. It's not it's not all because of that. <laughs> you got a little bromance with Bert. That's that's soft. That's all. Yeah, this ain't no Aaron Judge over here. I still have the <laughs> shoes. I mean, I, I didn't put them on anything, but honestly, he changed the game. Like he literally changed the game. He transcended the game. I mean, look at the power forwards now. I mean, you can at least what. Um, 70% of them can shoot and they can shoot from the perimeter. I mean, you didn't see that when he was playing. You only saw like a, maybe a couple in the league. Um, you have to be able to shoot as a power forward now to make it in this league. You can't, you, you can't be to. a back to the basket power forward. That, that, those days are gone. Yeah. And they're almost gone for centers. Yeah. Um, but just power forward speaking, he just changed the game. And then, I don't want to bring this up, but I have to. I mean, look at his teammates. I mean, because we're talking about him specifically. We're not talking about team success, which maybe it does have to – it does come up in these conversations. But his his sidekick for most of his career was Jason Terry. I mean, Steve Nash a few seasons, Michael Finley a few seasons. I mean, it was mainly Jason Terry. In the old Jason Kidd, I mean, you can't compare that to um, some of these other players who they had in 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 Kendra. I'm gonna be honest, that's Carl Malone. I mean, you have you have um, John Stockton as as your point guard. I mean, no wonder he had all those points. I mean, <laughs> the rebounding was him, but most of those points, I mean, it's 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 John Stockton, but. Um, but just from what he had to do, what he had to carry on his shoulders, um, Dirk, and and what he transcended the game, and um, imagine if he obviously what if or hypotheticals. Imagine if he played in this era, I mean, he would be averaging like thirty five points a game. I mean, he was doing this back where low scoring, a lot of defense, um, and they, and he always had the best play, um, best defender on him, um, but. You want to talk third about one. perfect compliment to Luca? It's Dirk. That's that's your perfect complimentary yeah. player to Luca. With a lot of defenders around them. Yeah. <laughs> Those two. But um my number three is KG. It's kind of the same thing. What he had to carry, I mean, on his back and what what he did prior to Boston, that run within itself, the intensity, um, you we probably haven't seen it um, since. I mean, you could say Draymond and stuff, but it, like KG was crazy. I mean, he he was he was cussing out his teammates, and well, Draymond was punching his teammates. But um, I mean, KG was absolutely crazy. Like he was wanted to get into it as soon as you jump ball. Like you have to fire up Draymond to get that rare. Um, you know, like second quarter, third quarter, you see him scream and then it's on from then. But like KG was barking. He was he was bashing his head before the jump ball. I mean, the boy was crazy. Um and He's just intense. he was very intense. And just the the He was what what he had on his back and, and you know, just I feel like he 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 kind of changed the game as well. He had his impact on the game. And then number four would be um Carmelo, I mean, just numbers speaking, 
it, it would be him. I mean, you do have to put him up there from all the, the, the records um, and just the stats that he has. Um, and then you would have to – number five is tough for me because I do want to put Giannis on there because you do have to give him credit um, for what he's done. Like, if his career stopped now, I mean, you would still probably have him tied with Chuck um, for what he's done, but – Chuck was a bad dude, too. I mean, it's tough because, I mean, Giannis, when you look at this, I mean, champion, um, well, okay, let's do, let's do it individually. Finals MVP, two regular season MVPs, um, six-time All-Star, and and he's only 28. He still has a lot of his career to go. And then he's, what, sixteen? Um, six-time All-NBA a four-time first team, two-time second team, defensive player of the year. Um, I mean, the list goes on. He even got most improved player of the year. Uh, and, most and improved. He's, he's unguardable. Like, it, I don't know anybody in the league who can guard him, like, straight up one-on-one. I mean, it's – Yeah. The guy's just a monster. And he, and that's what's scary about it, too, because he still has room to grow. And, like, if he could develop a shot, like, oh, my God. And sometimes you, you see it too. Like you see like where he goes on his stretches where he's hitting, um, he's hitting jump shots. He's hitting um, free throws, you know, and he's hitting threes. Um, and then, you know, he goes through his slump where he just, all right, well, my shot's not working. I'm just going to dominate. Um, but Giannis, it, it, it's up there. I, I give him and Chuck a tie because you do have to give Giannis credit. And, and you have to give Chuck credit because he's underrated as well. But before we go to our last topic, make sure y'all check out Chop Shop Victory Park right outside the AAC. A lot of good food. They have drink specials during Mavs games. And the customer service is really great as well. So make sure y'all check out Chop Shop Victory Park right outside the AAC. This will be interesting. Where does Dirk rank in Dallas among professional athletes? That's amongst, um, obviously, he's number one with the Mavs, but just where does he rank in Dallas in terms of comparative to um, Cowboys um, with the success they have historically and then uh, um, Stars, um, Rangers? Um, you can put you can put any team. I mean, you can put FC Dallas, Dallas Wings. I mean, you can put anybody in in, in there in the conversation. But where does where does Dirk rank? Um, who who wants to take that? I'll, I'll leave it up to y'all. Who wants to take that first? I Sha- mean, Sean Navas can go because you know he he put Dirk at a high. <laughs> oh. Ouch! That's fine. I can go. There you go. Okay, so. I, it's a good question, and and I think about this in in terms of eras, right? If you look back at the history of Dallas sports, and I think number one for me when you talk about who you know the greatest athlete in in Dallas sports history, obviously this is a primarily a football town, so it's guys like Roger Staubach, it's guys like Michael Irvin, it's guys like Troy Aikman, um, Emmett Smith, even Dion's got a solid reputation here. Right. I mean, even though we only played the, the love and adoration that people have for Tony Romo in this city, Adrian Beltre, if you look at baseball, Mike Vandano from a um, from a hockey perspective. But I think Dirk is the most beloved athlete in Dallas sports history. I, I in, it, he is in my Ooh, case. I mean, as a number as one, 
Number one, uh, somebody who was born and okay. raised in Dallas, you know, who's watched Dallas sports since I since I was a, a kid for as long as I can remember. There is no love that people have like they have for Dirk. The fact that people still throw his jerseys on, the people that still talk about him, the think that he, the fact that he's still relevant in in everyday basketball life, like we've talked about the the, the emulation that other people have had, um, you know, using his his move and, and broadcasts still talk about him and. Yes, you hear Romo on on CBS, and you hear Troy on Monday Night Football. You see Roger Staubach here and there, and Irvin is always on first take with Stephen A. and all this stuff, right? But if you, uh, and at least from my perspective, if you if you are talking about who is the most beloved Dallas athlete, it's Dirk for winning the MVP, going through what he did, having the Mavericks exit in two thousand eight, coming back to beat the Heat. I think that was a big piece of it as well, right? It's not only did you. Not only did you beat the Heat, you got through Kobe's two-time defending champ Lakers. You got through a young up-and-coming OKC team. After all these years of being kicked out of the playoffs and all this talk about, well, is Dirk good enough? Are the Mavs good enough? Does he have the right supporting cast? The fact that he took this team and put them in a position to win and really they won because of clutch shot-making from him and Jason Terry in that finals, they took down the three-headed beast of the Heat. Any other championship, the Rangers didn't, didn't win the title. Right, that was managerial issue, but Adrian Beltre is beloved from a uh, from a baseball perspective. The the Cowboys, yes, but Aikman, Emmett, Irvin, that's a whole other generation, right? That's when I was a kid. If you ask Mavs fans now, most of them are going to be Dirk and Luca fans and, and don't remember, you know, the 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 old '90s Cowboys, right? And even then, it was a super team. If you look, if 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 anything, right? If you want to talk about in context of dynasties and, and super teams in the NFL, that was a super team. So. I think that the fact that Dirk did it on his own, I think the adoration that Mavericks fans have for him, um, the way he's still involved in the community, the way that people still talk about him, I think he's the greatest Dallas athlete to ever to ever live. Man, okay, Kendra, this is this is the main event of the show. This is, you're ending the the podcast episode. What do you have to say? In regards to Sean Navas comments, and then where do you rank Dirk in Dallas as far as professional athletes? Look, uh, my boy Sean Navas, he made a lot of great points, you know, and I respect it's that him. tone. See, it's that tone. Okay, right? no, it's here not. it comes. It's she was not. talking about you earlier. That now she's about to lay it down. Here we go. She, she was playing. Keep it real. Keep it real. Can't just say it. That's why she was like, "You go first. You go first. Uh huh. No, I, I think, no, seriously, Sean Navas makes a lot of great points, and he mentioned a lot of great athletes who have come and, you know, made Dallas something. You know, it's it's crazy. Like, the the, the sports history here in Dallas is rich. Um, I would say Jason Witten deserves an honorable mention as far as, like, beloved, you know, Dallas athlete, Emmitt Smith. Um, is right there with Dirk as far as like the greatest athlete for me. I'll, in I'll my agree with opinion. that. You know, um, I mean, talk to kids nowadays. I, you know, I don't expect them to know as much, but any true like sports enthusiast or just you know anyone that wants to be familiar with Dallas sports history, like you are going to come across Emmett's name. You know, um, anytime Ezekiel um, is brought up, 
you got to mention Emmett because he is the bar. Anytime Tony Pollard is brought up because you got to mention Emmett because he's the bar, you know? And I remember watching games um, and him just like, it's just so electric. And um, yeah, so, and, and I, even, I actually met him when I was a baby and I met Michael Irvin on the elevator uh, when, when I was a baby and he kissed me on the forehead. True story. Um, oh, dang. so we just bringing out the stories today. I that's like fine. it. I should have oh, put, Ra- oh. put Raja Bell on my list. I met him once. Oh. Put him my favorite maps of all time. Oh. Oh. oh, that's hilarious. He that's said, not take the stories out of it. <laughs> that's hilarious. But no, like I, I would, I Dirk definitely gets the number one um, as far as like beloved athlete, but as far as all-time greatest Dallas athlete. I'm going to give it to Emmett. And it's not because I hate Dirk. I love Dirk with all of my heart. But I'm just giving it to Emmett because he sustained greatness, you know, for 13 seasons. He was a part of that, you know, that that run that brought um, um, us three Super Bowls. You know, they cannot, they cannot be overstated, you know. And it's really hard to win a championship yet alone winning back-to-back and then doing it again for a third time, you know? So Emmett is going to get some love for me. Um, and now you can say that he had a lot of help. And that would, if I guess if anything, that would be the counter-argument for Dirk is that he didn't have as much help. But let's not act like Jason Kidd is a scrub. I mean, he's 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 one of the top seventy-five players of all time. Are you? Oh my gosh! I wish we can. We gonna have to do a video podcast so people can see y'all's reactions sometimes. <laughs> I'm just but saying. No, I mean, I'll, I'll say, he, I have I, one I, counter argument to Kendra. Okay. How many teams did Dirk play for? He played for one. Ooh. How many teams did Emmitt Smith play for? Ooh. I think two. Two played those last few years in Arizona. Right. So there you oh, go. So, oh, that's my argument. Okay. So, so loyalty and the lack of talent like, is the reason why Dirk I'm is not, elevated to. I'm not saying that. I think Emmett Smith is is arguably one of, if not the greatest cowboy of all time. There's an argument to be made that he's up there with Charles Haley, Staubach, Aikman. I, I think he might be better than all of them, right? And when you talk about beloved, growing up watching those teams – there were two players that people gravitated towards and it wasn't, it wasn't Aikman. It wasn't Sanders. It was Irvin and, and Emmett Smith, your big play guys, right? It was, there were two players, the personalities, just the, and Dion would have, but Dion moved teams like, like he moved houses. Like it didn't matter. Right? Like he moves college teams. It's fine. Like he'd be ship, you know, go to different teams every two years. But Emmett, I agree with you. The person, you know, the, 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 the personality and, and the way he carried this team. I mean, he was the backbone of those, of those 90 Super Bowl teams. And it, it, and the argument, the way that I'm thinking of it, right? And when you, you 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 beloved versus athlete, right? But where do you draw the line? But you're not saying who was the, the most jacked or who who could carry the the ball the most times, or or you know would you know if you put him in a box, who would win? If you're talking about beloved athletes, I I would be hard pressed to find somebody who wouldn't. And in my opinion, I respect I respect yours 100. percent I would I would say Dirk over Emmett, and I think I think him leaving Dallas and going to play for Arizona for two years, I think it hurts a little bit, right? The fact that you had a chance to finish your career here, as bad as 
the team was in, in the late 90s. Even Troy stayed, right? I mean, Troy stayed when he should have retired in, in 97, but he stayed for two, three more years, even though he was he had a concussion issues. Had had Emmett Smith stayed, I I would I would say it was a completely it would be a toss-up at that point, in my opinion. But I, I think the fact that he left and spent his last few years in Arizona, I think hurts him a bit, in my opinion. I think, I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying, but it's, if loyalty is like part of it, then a lot of athletes misses out because Kevin Garnett, you know, um, is he the best Timberwolves player of all time or the best Minnesota player athlete of all time? I mean, he left. You know, um, what about LeBron? But he came back and then he left. He came back and you know, brought up. Like, how, how many good basketball players have there been in Cleveland, really? Like, let's, you know, that's kind of hard to. <laughs> and I would say he's not even, he might not even be the most beloved athlete in Cleveland history. They still have Jim Brown. They have a rich sports history that people forget about too, right? It's like, it's a hard, right. uh, you know, I think Cleveland still still has some sort of animosity towards LeBron for leaving, right? I mean, you pick either time, right? Or the first one or the second one. Well, I think, okay, Landon, if the question is beloved, then yeah, Dirk wins that. Like to me, there's no other player that comes to mind. Like even after Luca is done, like I still think Dirk wins that. Like he has captured the heart of Dallas, like sports fans. Like he is that guy you know, rightfully so. But as far as like greatest athlete, I, I mean, to me, for me, Emmett and, and Dirk is, they're like right there, 1A, 1B. I would I, I would agree with that. If you're talking I strict think, athlete, I would agree. I think y'all are saying the same thing. Yeah. I think both of y'all are saying beloved um, is Dirk and then um, just the greatest athlete uh, when you look at Dallas sports is a tie, a tie between uh, Dirk and Emmett. Is is that what both of y'all are, are agreeing on? Yeah, I think so. Okay, and that's a and that's a, those are great answers. I mean, you can't get any better than those two, and just especially the the rich history, um, like Sean of us mentioned with the Cowboys, um, just the um, success they have. Um, back in the day uh, so my uh, i mean you already know my answer i mean um on both beloved and greatest right actually that no nah, hell no <laughs> uh but i mean i do have that route um that mount rushmore i mean dirk emmett um beltre um and then mike madonna i mean that but- is dallas right there Beltre is criminally sure. underrated as a baseball so player as a whole, as just as a whole, the guy yeah. is underrated. He really is. I wish, I wish he came to the Rangers earlier. Um, but for the time that he was there, I mean, that's still enough to yeah. be um, heralded in, in, in their, and they got some, they have some great players in their history as well. Um, stars do too. So, I mean, Emmett and Dirk are definitely up there. Um, but, um, both of those would be dirt for me. Just living here in Dallas and just seeing both careers really. Um, obviously, <laughs> obviously Emmett. Um, I had to do a lot more research because um, I was a kid, but still, um, I remember watching him and just 
the things he was able to do. All right, so final words. Obviously, we didn't get into some of the things the Mavs been doing on the court. Um, that's what kind of puts a Band-Aid on uh, Dirk's un- um, reveal his statue, you know, because the Mavericks and the Lakers are going to be playing on Christmas Day, and those teams are struggling. Um, Mavs, they're floating around 500, um, so they're 15 and 16. They do play the Timberwolves tonight um, in the kind of a back-to-back. I mean, one day apart, but um, a home-and-home for the Timberwolves in that that game. But final words, um, Kendra, I'll go with you first this time. Uh, What's your final words on uh, this team and where they're at right now? Um. They need help. Uh, but no, I, I, I truly just wanted yeah. to spend this just my last time. Like, help, you know, I, I can't get up. <laughs> <laughs> the help button. <laughs> right. They need they need all the help they, they can get. I mean, Christmas Day, you know, pray to God that um, by trade deadline, you know, they get some new presents because what's currently under the tree. Anyway, so. I just want to take this time. I know that I, you know, Dirk is not like higher on my list. I'm literally, he's only like one spot behind from you guys, but he is my favorite athlete. He's my favorite Dallas sports, um, uh, rather my, my favorite Dallas athlete. Um, I mean, he's just the humility, the competitiveness, the, the, I mean, the discipline, you know, um, again, he won his first championship at, his one and only at 32, you know, some of these guys, that's like their third one, you know? And so, um, I, I love him and this is long overdue. Um, yeah. And I hope the Mavericks win on Christmas day, you know, give the fans something to cheer about. Hopefully, you know, it being a dark day that there'd be a little extra energy and they want to gift him with a win because he deserves that. There you go. And they better win. I mean, it looks like AD is going to be out for a month or so with his injury. So it, it's they better win that game. And then, uh, well, for Dirk as well. But good final words. Sean Vaz, what's your final words on where this team is at right now in the near future? Um. Not much to say. I mean, I think Kendra said it best. I mean, let's hope for a Christmas miracle and let's pull out a win without AD. Like you said, Landon, um, let's do it for Dirk. Stadium is going to be packed. Um, I I, I hope – I would love to see Luka drop 41 in a win just out of – you know, just just to have everything kind of work out nicely. It would be kind of cool. Um, You know, and like Kendra said, yeah, I mean, I I think Dirk is – Dirk's my favorite athlete. He was my favorite NBA player growing up. Him and Allen Iverson were the two I watched the most. Um, and AI, just because, you know, as a kid, he was the first guy to wear the arm sleeve and he had the cool shoes and, and you know, he was kind of that, you know, the the attitude, you know, and the, the whole practice speech when YouTube started getting big. And he was just, you know, he was fun to watch. But Dirk growing up in Dallas and watching Dirk play, I mean, you know, first basketball game I ever attended, you know, you know, the last one I ever, you know, the last Dirk game I ever attended, the jersey retirement ceremony. I mean, everything, it's just the, the guy is a legend. The guy's a living, not just a Dallas legend. He's an NBA legend. 
um, and, and the respect that he has, uh, or excuse me, the respect that he's garnered from his peers in the NBA and, and across, I think, the sports world is, is something that, that I think goes unnoticed. And one last thing, I want to give a big shout out, big congratulations to Kendra. She's finally graduated and, oh, and yeah. done with school. So huge congrats, Kendra. We're super proud of you. Yeah, definitely. Congrats, Kendra, on that for sure. So, all right. So that's our podcast for today. Um, and my final words would be, um, man, it's, it's time for a turnaround for this team. And this is the final stop of, I know there's so much more games to play, but it's time. Like it's time to win. It's time to do things that you haven't seen earlier in the season and do it now because the Mavs are digging themselves in a hole where they won't be able to climb back. Yes. They play the Timberwolves again tonight. They could bounce back. Um, and they're 15 and 16, one game below 500. Plenty of season to go, but the the rest of the West is is good. And and then Kendra, on, on your point on all these stars and what age they won their first championship, those were great points. Um, it feels a little different with Luca, right? It's it's weird because. You said you mentioned all those stars. I mean, you had Dirk at 32, but most of the stars that you mentioned were like 27, 28, 26, whatever. Um Lucas 23 and it feels like it feels like the pressure is now. Like that's what's really so is. weird. Yeah, really right? Is. He's 23. Like technically he still has the rest of his contract to win a championship. People feel- forget. Like it's it's hard cuz it's like he just signed a Supermax. So we've got five five years right like yeah it just started it's it's it and i get it that the the sky is falling because like this is two years in a row we've started slow and especially when you make the conference finals and you come back and you play like this and everybody who was who did play well in the conference finals isn't playing well you lost brunson and now everyone's in your you're arguably your first or second best defender is now indefinitely injured for the season and it's kind of like well what do we do now Right. And it's, I get it. It's, it's hard as a fan to sit there and be like, well, should we tank? Should we not tank? Like what, do we just stay at 500 and hope for a play in spot? Like what, like what, what do we do now? They're not tanking. They're not tanking. You can't, you can't tank. They'll never tank. It's not, it's not going to work. You Um, can't do it. He won't let it happen. He's too competitive. But it's not, it's not, it's not the games. It's just, it's, it's one thing to lose. But how they're losing is a whole nother topic because it's not good. You would Even Luca said be... it, the body language and just there's the energy. I mean, every post game, kid says, we'll get better. Every post game, Luca says, we got to get better. But this is every post game and it's 30 games into the season. I mean, it's... you would think there'd be like regression to the mean, right? And like, negative regression to the mean where like it would actually start working in our favor. And that's, I mean, kind of what you have to look forward to at this point. Yeah. It it, it all boils down to 
beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. That's that's what it boils down to. When I just watch these games, I mean, it's when you lose to the top tier teams. I mean, that's just expected. But when you lose to the bottom teams and you lose to the 500 teams, like those are the teams you should beat. Especially Even- when Luca's playing and the role players are playing, they should be making their shots, and and Luca should be dominating those teams. I mean, it's. it's that's what it boils down to. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Well, and it's like you said. I mean, beat the teams you're supposed to beat. But even some of these, even some of these games against top tier opponents, like the Milwaukee game, was just the most frustrating. Like end of the game. Like, how do you lose that? Right. Like, how do you lose a game like that where they knew exactly what play you were going to run, and even Luca knew that they knew what play you were going. to You know, you watch it and you're just like, you've got to be kidding me, man! Like, how does this keep happening? Yeah, and that, and that's what that's what I said. It, it boils down to beating the bottom teams, and then on the top ones, like they need to not lose. It, it's how they're losing. Like it's not like they were down um, thirty and they came back or something, or down um, twenty and it's a blowout and they came back. Like these games, they're winning, and then the other team just comes back. Like they know what the maps do. And that's what I think will change because it has to change. And with uh, playing Kimba Walker, pl- um, starting Christian Wood, we'll see if that happens tonight. But, um, you know, if Powell comes back and he's healthy tonight, he's questionable, is he going to get the nod over Christian Wood? Like, those are the type of decisions we got to see um, change if they want different results because how they're playing – is not the results you want to see. So I know we only got, what, eight minutes out of the current Mavs because this was the Dirk <laughs> episode. <laughs> but, yeah, um, Christmas Day is going to be special because you're leaving your legacy on the game of basketball. I mean, putting up stats, winning trophies, that's good. You have them in your house, your office um kudos but having your banner raised in an arena having your statue outside the arena having your name on a street sign outside of the arena those are things that put you above everyone else and those are things that make you legendary because you know when we're gone um like even this podcast this is a small a small little tick on time, but those three things will be remembered and you'll be memorialized forever. No matter where you're at, you will see those things and they will say, Hey, who's that guy? Hey, who's that statue? Hey, dad, who's, who's, who's Dirk Nowitzki? Hey mom, who's Dirk? You know, those those are things that make you legendary goodbye everyone